Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Hey, Craig. Podcast versus everyone. It's a really good way uh, to describe it, by the way. Episode one thirty four, very similar to episode one thirty two and one thirty and one twenty eight. Uh, this is Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Newser. Uh, yes. Jeff, the, uh, the the illusion of 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 competition carried us through <laughs> to the fourth quarter this time. The fourth quarter. I know. I love the way you put it, the illusion of competition. <laughs> it's like, uh, I have a feeling that that's, that's sort of a similar, uh, sort of a similar vibe to my, uh, my Monday after column that I wrote today, uh, which, you know, is, is sort of like talking about the defense and how, uh, you know, 17 points, uh, allowed by the defense, you know, like seems great. Right. But, uh, also, you know, Utah rolled up 250 some yards of offense and and actually the way the way I put it was uh Utah had more yards and more yards per play than USC did the week before in the second in half. In the second half, yeah. And you know, so I understand why people would would look at that and and say, "Wow, you know, that's an improvement." I I like I get it. Um I don't I don't agree with it, but I understand why people do that. Like I like I get that um you know, it is, it is truly a, you know, a results based business, right? I mean, wins and losses are results. Results are what matter. And so, you know, I get it when, you know, fans or coaches or whomever are are like, man, the defense was, the defense was great. And I'm like, you know, but as a fan, you know, I'm interested in, you know, okay, what's the, now, now that we've, you know, lost the game, you know, what's the predictive value going forward? And, you know, I, I mean, really the, the only difference between, you know, the 38 points USC scored last week in the second half and the 38 points Utah scored last year in the second half. And Saturday, the only difference really was in this one, you know, like Utah kept screwing up. <laughs> like they yeah. just, like they'd, they'd fumble. They'd, and I mean, look, some of the fumbles, we didn't even do anything. Like they just dropped it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I get it, but, you know, you and I are on, you know, yeah, Utah know fumbled this. the ball seven times. Seven times. They had fumbled the ball four times. In their first three games, uh, the so. funny thing is, the funny thing uh, we got to point aside is just you know how uh, how sports writers can kind of have these love affairs with longtime head coaches, 
and just cannot believe when their teams are screwing up over and yeah. over again and just yeah. just how the 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 sports writership was like incredulous online that like uh, uh, this is not a Kyle Whittingham team. I don't know if you remember <laughs> the last time WSU beat uh Utah in Salt Lake City, Utah turned the ball over like five times. That's right. Like this happens. Like yes. it, it happens. They're college football players. It doesn't yes. matter how gritty that coach is and yeah. how how strong his chin is they're yeah. still gonna give up they're still gonna fuck up sometimes and it is a strong chin i mean let's let's be yeah honest. it's a very it's, strong chin he's a very handsome strong chin man uh you know i mean it's just it's it's randomness it's luck and i know i i know a lot of people don't want to hear that and, and also like, utah is offense particularly not very good not good year. like we knew that going into the game like we knew they were not good. And it's like, you know, if you break down the different fumbles, like there's one fumble that you can legitimately say was forced in my mind. And that that was the Ron Stone hit. Right? Like 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 any running back that gets hit like that stands a pretty good chance of losing the ball. So that's not, you know, that that was not a surprising one. But the rest of them, it's like, you know, the one um, you know, the one at the goal line, I mean, great, awesome, awesome hit. By Armani Marsh. Like, I take nothing away from the hit. It's awesome. It's exactly how you want to do it. Right? You come in, you put your shoulder through the ball. Like, that's fantastic. Uh, however, dudes get hit like that hard, you know, at the goal line all the time, and they don't often fumble. Right? It's like. And then the ball bounces right to one of your guys yeah. instead of bouncing to a Utah player for a right. touchdown. There. Right. And, you know, if the running back had held onto the ball, the running back ended up in the end zone. Right. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was. Scared. So like if he had just held on to the ball, it's a, it's a touchdown. So, you know, I again, you know, I, I don't want to like crap on the defense. Like that's not that's not what I'm trying to do. It probably sounds like I am, but it's just sort of like, I, you know, there wasn't anything that happened in that game that made me think, oh, yeah, like like, like yeah, we're, we're about to turn a corner or this is going to get better or I mean, anything like that. If anything, I feel. I feel fucking worse because I'm like, look at everything Utah handed to us, and we still lost by fucking double digits. Like, yeah, that's. I mean, that's uh, rough. To 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 have Utah do that, and to it like and make all those mistakes, and to have it like not even just not be like really close, but like to not win. Like I'm just like, uh, it's so maddening. It just like. I don't know, man. And Rolovich's anointed quarterback at the beginning of the season finally got his chance to shine, and he wasn't good. Yeah, and this was their their highest kind of yards per play versus any FBS competition this year. Uh, the Utah's offense, you know yep. it, it it really isn't a good offense. And you know, I know we said that when Tyler Huntley kind of shred WSU and Pullman a few years back. And they turned out to be a very good offense, but I do not see that happening with this one. No, not, not with, no. I mean, Cameron Rising, Cam Cam Rising was still thirteen and twenty three for one thirty seven. You yeah. know, like he didn't look good. I don't see anything coming from that guy the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, they were able to run the ball on you know at times. You know, Pledger had some big runs. At one one in particular, they were just able to like they didn't move the ball that like they were able to move the ball. They just weren't able to hang on to the ball. And so it was, it's, it was just, yeah, frustrating. Cause they were definitely, you know, it was nice to see Ron Stone have a nice game. Yeah. He was due, due for one. 
Yeah, if we're looking for, you know, if we're looking for high notes, right? So uh, we are nothing if not optimistic, right? Uh, <laughs> that that would be that would be sort of like exhibit exhibit A on that one because I mean that's a that's a defensive player of the week type performance. He won't get it because they didn't win, but because that's how uh, that's how those awards roll. But but he was that good. Yeah, and, and so you know there was and Armani Marsh was good. Yep. Uh, I, um, you know, Watson was back to shutting things down. Uh, so it, 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 there's some good performances, but overall it, you're still, you come away. Like, even though they only give up 17 points, you look at the level of competition and you're still a bit worried about, and, and then you look at what they did in the second half again. Yep. Like they only gave up what it was like 93 yards or something in the first half. And then they come out in the second half, they get lucky the fumble right away. Very first play. Yep. You know, WSU goes and cashes it in, which was awesome. Yep. But then both the offense and the defense, I mean, other than the defense getting some some fumbles, from that point, it was all Utah. Yep. Like well, the offense, yeah. The the offense and the offense was bad all day. Like I I know that, you know, again, sometimes again, I think because the game was close, right? As you put it, you know, the illusion of competition. It, it's like because the game was close, you kind of tend to think, oh, well, maybe I don't I don't know, like at least my brain does this. Maybe maybe I'm weird and alone on this. But but, you know, my brain sort of tends to minimize some of the struggles because, you know, it's close. Right. And you're you're like when when things get bad, really, you know, like the blowout starts to happen. That's when things get magnified. Right. So, you know, I remember thinking, oh, the offense, you know, is, eh, you know, it's not good, but eh, maybe not terrible. You know, and now I'm kind of looking at, you know, I sat down, I kind of looked at the stats and I'm like, OK, you know, and it felt like first quarter, second quarter, um, you know, there were chances. Right. Like we had the three red zone opportunities and only come away with two field goals. Right. So and that's one time inside the 40, the first drive, they got inside the 40 yep. and they, they failed on fourth down with that yep. weird play. And yeah. yeah. So I'm looking at the yards per play in the first and second quarter, and it's 4.8 and 4.8. And so, yeah, good that we moved down into the red zone. But that right there probably should have been a little bit of a warning sign that maybe things weren't going as well as as maybe it felt because that we actually, were able to move deep. That that really reminds me of when WSU played at Utah in 2019 in the in like, you know, in the bad weather. Yep. With Gordon, they they were moving the ball early, but it was just the same thing. It was like 4. Point whatever yards per play and that ultimately you can't finish drives with yep. that sort of, you know, because when you get down close, you still need to create you you creating separation becomes even more important. Correct. Uh, and 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 when you can't do it and be able to block well becomes even more important when you're close because there's less space for the defense to cover. So if you're just barely getting by all the way down the field, it's tough to finish a drive. And when you're just staring down a triple coverage on a slant that you've already thrown three times that that drive. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't work out either. Yep. Um, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's frustrating. And I, I, it sucked that Borgie went out. He was actually looking like he was on his way to a pretty nice day. Yep. Um, he had six for 42 and what he played like a quarter and a half, <laughs> not even quarter and a half, like a quarter and one play. 
Yeah, and so he was he was on his way, I think, to like a real nice day, like 150 yard possible day. That might that probably would have helped. Probably because Dion, they tried, they kept trying because really the the interior line was getting whipped, and but they were having success, kind of uh, punishing Utah's aggressiveness to the middle yes. with these outside runs with Max and yep. Dion was able to do it a couple times, but not with the effect. Like there was Dion, his biggest run, that 24 yard run when he had a huge gap to run through it with Max's speed on that run. Yes. I, that might be a touchdown. Yep. I mean the, the space there was on the edges and you know, Borgie was able to get there a couple times and like, okay, all right, here we go. And, and Dion just he just doesn't have that kind of he just doesn't have that kind of speed you know not not that kind of acceleration once he turns a corner um, you know not a knock he just kind of doesn't have that same kind of skill set and you know it just it wasn't it just was not quite there it was not quite there but we definitely since I mentioned the offensive line we definitely have to talk about the the player because of college football's weird counting stats led the team in rushing attempts <laughs> Jarrett Garantano yeah. How about that? With 15 attempts, eight sacks in the game. Yeah. Uh, was Did Cooper got sacked on one of those, I think? Yes. So, so, one, so of the, one of those goes to uh, goes to Cooper, but yeah. So you say it all the time, and I 100% agree. Yeah. Uh, sacks are a QB stat. They and are we've a QB watched stat. Ru- we've, we've watched Russell Wilson play for the Seahawks for a decade. Yep. Like, sacks are a QB stat. We watch Luke and Falk. We watch Luke Falk, and so, and it's it should be if 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 you're kind of skeptical about what we're saying, just think about when you watch Jaden Delora run this offense versus anyone else run this offense. Yep, J- Jaden Delora, even when he came out against USC, sacks, sacks, sacks. Didn't play this game against a team that loves getting after the quarterback, sacks, sacks, sacks. And, and, and Jade Delora just doesn't get sacked that much because he's very good at avoiding pressure. Yep. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's so such like, so starkly obvious. Like when Garantano, like he just doesn't have that ability and our offensive line is not what it's used to be. And Mitch Hanniger just hit another three run bomb. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. Hell In the yeah. exact same spot as the first one. All right, go Ems. Um, <laughs> get him. Sorry, I got that game on. I wasn't going to take it off. You know, We don't get these moments no. for the Ems very often. No, we there. do not. That is for um, sure. But yeah, so so yeah, like it was. it's just such a stark contrast when you're having this guy that's kind of pretty mobile, doesn't has – truly does not have good pocket presence like there because there's times he bailed out into a sack when he had more time yes and so you know the offensive line deserves some of the heat for sure yeah but but a more savvy quarterback you know a Minshew uh a, a Delora someone who's better at avoiding pressure they they're maybe get sacked like three times in yeah. that game I don't not eight times. I don't know that any of those sacks I would classify. And now, again, I would have to go back and watch, but I don't know that I would classify any of those sacks as just like no chancers, right? Where it's like you know, so, like dudes coming through the a gap, 
you you know you hit your third step on your drop and and dudes in your face like that's i don't know that there were that there were any of those really now did he have four or five seconds to throw always and then run into no. a sack no but it's i mean it's that in between right like it's you know if if you got two plus seconds you know if you got something between two and three seconds the ball should be out the ball should be out and you know like you said you know we watch russell wilson play every sunday and it's you know it's it's for him we we have just sort of learned to accept that he's going to take a a certain number of sacks that he absolutely should not take with as much experience as he has um you know and you mentioned delora and his escapability and it's you know that's that's a guy who obviously um some of some a lot of what he does is has to do with his athleticism um some of it is honestly he just has a good feel for where the pressure is coming from and how to get away does, from it. Yeah. That's, that's a, you know, that's just a, just, that's just a skill thing, right? A talent thing that um, maybe you can't really teach, but you can teach things like, I mean, you know, people who watch Tom Brady play, right? Like how many sacks does Tom Brady take? And I, and I know we are comparing, I, I realize the greatest, uh, yeah. like greatest quarterback right. of all and, time. And the other quarterback I'm going to talk about is Peyton Manning, right? So it's like, yeah. I mean, I, I get it, but, but what they do is they show you that, you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting that level of, uh, you know, awareness from a, from a college quarterback. That's, that's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, um, the idea that the quarterback is really the one in control of sacks is true. And if you think about it, he's the one with the ball in his hand. He's the one who decides when the ball comes out of his hand and where it goes. It's just like the, and t- he, and he has the best view of the defense pre snap. Yep. He's he sees where the pressure is probably going to come from. He should. <laughs> he should. And so, you know, for a guy with as many starts as he's got, um, it, it was just sort of it, it was wild to watch um, a full game of him just sort of like struggle to diagnose, uh, you know, the coverages struggle to diagnose, um, you know, where the pressure was struggle to figure out how to get rid of the ball um, with some you know, when he had time to do so, it's just, I mean, look, when he, you, you can see why the tools are tantalizing when he's clean. He made some throws. Yeah. When he's clean, he makes some really, he's got big arm, you know, like he'll make every throw. Um, but you know, it's, it's, as soon as it's not very clean, it's a mess. And, you know, I know, I know he worked hard in the off season to prepare for the year and, uh, you know, like I'm not, again, <laughs> not trying to crap on the kid. That's not, that's not really what I'm, I'm going for here. But, um, you know, I think there's something to be said that maybe, uh, you know, pocket presence, that sort of thing is just, maybe it's just a, a skill that, that you can't really, that maybe you can't really teach or you can't really, right. you can't really practice. Like you just kind of like either kind of got it or you don't. And, and I'd say that, you know, after 40 or so games, right. Isn't that about what he's got now under his belt? Uh, yeah. you know, maybe he just, you know, he might, he might just not ever get it. And, uh, and I don't know how, I don't know how you move forward with a quarterback that, that does that, that takes so many negative plays. And I think, you know, I mean, Cam and Cooper, you know, maybe we could talk about what he might bring if, you know, do they turn to him? If Delora's is not healthy, um, I don't know, man. I think he's going to be prone to interceptions as well, but yep. I don't know. But maybe he takes a few, maybe takes fewer sacks. I mean, he makes fewer plays with his feet. Yeah. You know, I, I like, I don't know. I just like, I can't, I'd have a hard time believing that he could be worse than what we saw 
on Saturday. And then, and also at the the beginning of the Utah State game too. Yes. Like if you, if you yep. put the two together, it's just like it's all the same. And then and then and then you put his entire career at Tennessee in there too. It's just like this is who he is. And yeah, again, it's you're you're stunned that this guy won the job. Like yes, like it's it yeah, it's just I can't it. it it was you. You see the arm talent, of course, but there's not much more outside of that. He made some great throws when he was clean. He made one nice throw when he was getting hit, um, but but the but a lot he would just completely crumble under pressure and just he just wouldn't see the pressure coming and 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 yeah, like I can't I can't put all of this on the offensive line because I know that a different quarterback would not have gotten sacked eight times. Yep. Or seven seven times or whatever. Yep. So it's maybe Cam Cooper still gets sacked eight times. We haven't really seen enough of him to know, but we've seen probably enough from Garantano yeah. to know. Yep. Um, so yeah, get well soon, Jaden. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe Rolovich thought he could fix him. I mean, every every coach every, every coach does. So he could have his Gardner Minshew. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe I maybe this is my guy and. You know, I, I, I'm the one who finally taps into the potential. I mean, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I imagine some of it might just be, it's, it's tough to simulate, tough to simulate that in practice, right? The, the stuff that we see yeah, that's probably don't get, they don't actually get hit yeah, in practice. They, they don't have to worry about yep, it. They don't actually have to tuck it and go. They don't have to actually avoid a hit. So, you know, I, I wonder if some of it maybe is that as well. I mean, not that, not that there was anything that happened on Saturday that would be surprising. Cause like you said, uh, it's exactly what he looked like in the four drives against Utah state. Um, and it's exactly what he looked like in the one play he ran in the spring game before he hurt himself. So, uh, I don't know. I, like I said, very curious this week. Um, I mean, obviously we'd like to see Delora, but I also, I mean, crap, if he's got a hurt knee, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously I, I don't think the doctors would put him out there with a chance of injury, but, no. I, but I also am sort of like, okay, even if they decide that, uh, that he can't, you know, further damage the knee, uh, you know, how much of his effectiveness is going to be lost if he, if he can't, he's not mobile, yeah, if he's not yeah. mobile. So I don't know, man, it's a proper mess as they might say in England. It's a proper mess, proper mess. Yeah. So yeah. Try to think what, what else is there to say? Well, about the, oh, we'll talk about the receivers, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's um, that's where I was going to go. Yeah, yeah. So um, Utah's, I would say their corners, they're at, aren't, aren't maybe either they're not what they have typically been or Davin Ollie and Dijon Stribling really stepped it up this game. And I'm 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 going to go ahead and say the the latter. So, yeah, um, that's that's what yeah, I'm going to go with. <laughs> yeah, because it was really cool to see those two, particularly Stribling, just have a real nice game. Yeah. Stribling, 93 yards on eight targets and a TD. Real nice. Just roasted his dude on that touchdown Yeah, on a lot of different times. Uh, made some really nice plays. Like really, Ollie, really roasted not, that guy. I mean, let's like, let's yeah. be real. Like that was, that's that safety came over and he uh, left him on the turf, man. That was awesome. That just tends to happen against Utah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll say Ollie, like it was, he made some nice catches. His his target, 
yards per target, not very nice, five yards per target. But he still was at least targeted. Like, because yeah. he, he just hasn't been open. Yep. Like, most of the year. So, like, at least he was getting open. He was making some nice catches. So that was good to see. Um, really, uh, I, I think that uh, Utah was most concerned about Harris and Jackson. Cause, and rightfully uh, so. Rightfully so. Because they were a little, like, Jackson was kind of a non-factor, except for, you know, that ultimately deciding play. And I guess we we haven't talked about that. But let's talk about Stribling and yeah. Ollie a little more. Yeah. But Stribling, Stribling really, he made some big catches in in. In some big situations too, like it was nice to see because you know, sometimes you forget already that he's just a freshman. Yep. And and you know we, we shouldn't you know like just because he's had a few rough games in the first three, not a lot of guys start at outside receiver their first three games no. of their career. Nope. And uh, so you know that this was definitely a positive step for him. The thing with him that. Um... I think I like more than anything else is that he just looks like he belongs out there. Um, Pretty typically true freshmen just generally sort of look like, "Eh," you know, (laughs) I mean, they're out there, but do they really fit? You know, they, they either look, uh, you know, gangly or just not quite all the way developed or, or whatever it's going to be. I mean, you know, your fully, fully developed guys are typically your, four-star guys who end up at other schools, right? Like that's part of why they're four-star guys. Like, uh, you know, they are, they're, you know, physically mature when they graduate from high school, they are expected to be able to, you know, contribute right away. So, um, you know, it's, it's rare for us to get a true freshman who, who actually looks like he belongs and Stribling definitely looks like that. Now, part of it is he's actually a little bit older. Um, you know, I was going back and trying to remember what his story was. And I went back and looked, he actually was a class of 2020 kid. Um, and he was being, you know, recruited pretty okay. He was kind of a low three-star guy in Hawaii. And then he just didn't sign anywhere in 2020. Um, you know, I don't know why, uh, I can't find anything on why, um, maybe something's out there that I can't find. So if, 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 you know, somebody's listening to this and they know, uh, you know, please feel free to, to leave it in the comments or whatever, or, or send us an email. But, um, but as near as I can tell, nobody has ever really reported out what, what happened. And then 2021, he signs with us, um, on the early signing day in 2021. Well, I mean, technically December, 2020, but you know what I mean? Um, so he is, he is a little bit older and that probably helps. Um, he honestly reminds me a little bit of Marquise Wilson. Maybe that's uh maybe that's just kind yeah. of a body build. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to be that good. I mean, Marquise, we're talking about, you know, one of the best receivers in program history, maybe even the best, you know, for my money, considering all the context around him. Um, yeah, but you know, that that's, that's about the highest compliment I can pay him. He just, you know, he just, he's got similar body type. Uh, he's like, you know, six, two or, or something like that. And, um, I think Marquise was about six, three and, um, he's just got, you know, what looks like really excellent body control. He just looks like he is, um, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't totally produced yet until, um, until Saturday. I don't know how much of that, since you can't see the whole field on most plays, I don't know how much of that is him and how much of that is, you know, maybe having Delora, who's not the most accurate, um, thrower to the outside, um, on long throws. So maybe some of it's that, but at any rate, um, yeah, really impressive, really excited for what he might be able to do, um, going forward. It, you know, it looks like they, uh, you know, he was an under-recruited guy, man, a low three-star kid 
in Hawaii, um, which, you know, a lot of times happens out there on the islands and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, they may have gotten a real, uh, I mean, he was a guy who was not committed to WSU until he signed. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe they've, they've found a real gem there. Yeah. And, um, so I had mentioned it earlier, but I, I, I wanted to point out this play just because it's kind of very evident of what can go wrong when the player, when the quarterback and receiver are not on the same page in the run and shoot offense. And I think we've mentioned before, I don't know if we haven't, like, I know I've explained on other podcasts, but on this podcast, um, a very big difference between the air raid and the run and shoot is that the, a lot of the receivers in the, in the run and shoot are running option routes um, where they'll, the quarterback and the receiver are supposed to be on the same page and reading the defense and deciding if, you know, what Jackson, well, you can only assume happened on the pick six play in the fourth quarter, which essentially ended the game, was uh, Garantano read the defense as Jackson should be running an out route. Um, it was a third and long, and, and I, I'm guessing he was just thinking, oh, he's just going to cut out, get the first down, we'll move on. Uh, Jackson, who I'll say probably correctly read it, as there was outside leverage, and so he cut outside and then or faked outside, cut inside, ran up the field. Um, it looked like Jackson probably would have been by the coverage because uh, uh, Utah was coming with like a six-man blitz, I think, on that play. Yep. Um, so th- there probably wasn't Yeah, a there was no safety help. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to – you know, I'm going to side with Jackson on that selection, and there's a very real chance if Garantano was on the same page, he hits Jackson for a long touchdown to take the lead. And with you know, yep. what five, you know, a few minutes left, yep. in the five, five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter, whatever it was. So that was a that was a very um, it was it was very good at demonstrating what happens in the run and shoot when the quarterback and receiver are not on the same page because obviously Jackson was running up the field and then the, the cornerback just saw the ball coming right at him and, you know, no one there to even contest him runs back for a touchdown. Rolovich said in his post game that he thought that Garantano should have thrown it backside, which so would have been to the receiver on the left instead of the receiver on the right. I, so I, (laughs) I have not rewatched the play to see what was happening on the backside. So I don't know. Um, but, Apparently, e- either way, so our, our our assumption is that Garantano made the wrong read. Uh, it's, it seems like Rolovich agrees, if maybe not for the same reason, but he at least agrees that uh, that the quarterback maybe didn't didn't make the proper read on that. So, uh, yeah, you know, just another frustration uh, when you know a big play is there to be made and and you don't make it, and then uh, you know you give up a pick six to make the margin double digits to. Make you make you feel like another swift kick in the nuts after uh, basically right after giving up the lead. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's much yeah. else to say about, you know, just it's you know, it's frustrating, man. It's got to be really frustrating for the players, uh, you know, to 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 work so hard and, you know, have have so many mistakes just sort of undermine your chance of winning. Hello. 
Yeah, sorry, my headphones cut out real quick there. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit that out now, or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just leave. Yeah, it. Uh, but yeah, I was gonna say one thing we have to mention is they were uh, definitely on a um, you know the on a a tough mindset, coaching staff and players um, after Brandon Gray was uh, yeah uh, taken to the hospital yeah. um, with serious injuries after being involved in a or uh, you know being a, a to hit shot yeah. by a, a someone um and, and you know where someone also died yeah um so uh that's uh yeah if you're getting taken to sacred heart it's serious yep. um uh so that's uh that must have been tough for everyone um to 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 deal with during the game no doubt uh so you know Sometimes if you see a, a player make a mistake, you, you get some context like that after the game and uh, you know what they were probably thinking about their, yeah. their teammate in the hospital, you know, yep. um, and obviously, you know, in Pullman, it's very weird. We've, uh, you know, I've talked about it with some friends like Pullman, it feels like you're in a bit of a bubble and, and you don't uh, have to deal with some of the, some of the dangers of, of, you know, the rest of the world. Right. And so, but you know, they, that was the first shooting death in Pullman since, uh, I was in school 16 years ago. Um, so, you know, I got a friend who has kids there, has a kid there that, you know, that was pretty, who lives on Greek row right near where it happened. And, you know, that's every parent I'm sure thinking the same thing because you think you're like, send your kids to a safe place and uh, it's pretty shocking for a, a small community like that which is typically doesn't have to deal with violent crime as much um to have a an event like that is is even just as someone doesn't live there you think about you know uh, I'll, I'll say when i was in pullman um last weekend uh my friend and i were at a bar downtown and uh, a man pulled a knife um, on a bouncer and, uh, my friend like helped step in to wrangle him down and stuff when the, after the knife had already been gone, but the bouncer got like cut and stuff and, you know, and then the next day we were at another bar and we couldn't leave because someone had a gun outside. Jeez. And so, so when I heard about this on the back of that, I'm, it was just kind of like, Man, like you go to Pullman and you just feel like you're 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 safe and like there's this is literally like this little bubble, uh, like this little utopia where you don't have to worry about these things. But uh, that was a bit of reality, I think, for a lot of people, and obviously a tragedy, yeah. um, particularly for um, the young man's family yeah. and Brandon Gray's family and stuff. Yep. So it's it's just a uh, it's 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 a tough thing for you know all of us who have a special connection to Pullman to deal with, but also to think about what the football team had to go through, what um, this young man's family who lost his life had to go through uh, when you're at school and, and uh, it, you know, he was, he's, you know, he, they're gone. It's, it's rough. Yeah. It absolutely sucks. I, I know that, uh, you know, I, I picked Wazoo, you know, kind of precisely for the reason you mentioned, like it did, it did feel safe. Like I couldn't believe, you know, after spending, you know, many, many a night, many an evening walking around the U district for, you know, various activities. Um, and then going to Pullman and being like, wait, you know, like, like I, I couldn't believe how safe I felt. Right. Just walking around at night. Um, yeah. Big time bummer. 
uh, you know, I'm glad Gray is, uh, is apparently going to be okay. I mean, obviously, you know, serious but stable condition is uh, certainly not out of the woods. So, you know, continue to um, think about him and hope for his full recovery. Um, you know, the other young man who died, like you said, you know, feel terrible for, for him and his family. And, um, we still don't know a ton about what happened. Uh, we do, at least it's been, it's been reported that, uh, the man who was arrested in connection with the shooting, uh, has said that he acted in self-defense, something that would seem to be supported by the fact that he was, um, charged with, um, he was charged with second degree assault and not you know, murder or manslaughter or something, obviously that could all change, but, um, you know, that would seem to support that idea. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about other rumors I've heard, but there are other rumors I've heard that have supported the idea of, of self-defense. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a sad, it's just a sad deal all around, man. It's, you know, parties can, parties can go sideways, you know, and typically, uh, you know, we laugh and we joke about them and, you know, maybe it's, you know, Andy roof of the frying pan or something. I mean, just whatever, like, you know, the kind of stuff that, you know, we laugh about, um, you know, people getting mad or drunk or belligerent or whatever. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully this is just a, uh, you know, a spate of, of unfortunate things that are unrelated. Um, the things, you know, that you're relaying plus, plus this shooting, um, hopefully it turns out to be just, you know, kind of a random sequence of events and not, uh, not maybe a more serious change in, in the nature of things in Pullman. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't assume, uh, that it, it's, it's some sort of uh serious change. You know, I, I think I probably was just expressing, you know, like my own personal experience yeah. of, wow, like these three things happening in a yeah. row, um, that, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it was kind of, you know, I didn't think too much of the, the two events last week. Um, we did once that, you know, we went to the bar two nights in a row and there was this like weird shit happening. But, uh, um, but, but then you, you, uh, yeah, you know, when people are, people are not in their right mind and, uh, um, or maybe they were and, and just, uh, you know, things went south, but, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, just think about that. You, you, you think about the players having to learning about that late, you know, a role of it said a player told him. Um, like late that night, you know, t- two o'clock in the morning or whatever. And so I, I'm sure Rolovich and you know, the staff had really slept that, 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 that night. And now uh, the players probably slept that night. Yeah. Um, so, well, and uh, they're in, you know, they're so in Salt Lake city rough. and their, their teammates back in Pullman being airlifted to Spokane. I mean, that's pretty, that's a pretty helpless feeling and that's not a lot of fun. Yep. All right. Um, so uh, I guess now's as good a time as any to uh, take a break, and we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, an amazing volleyball weekend and uh, the soccer team um, and uh, all that. So we'll see you on the flip side. All right, Jeff. So, um, 
you know, once again, I had a, had a weekend that was, you know, I didn't venture out to the east side of the state, so I didn't get to pretty fair beer in Ellensburg. But um, it looks like, you know, from from looking at their draft list, from talking to Tyler, the owner, they're really getting into, you know, those classic, especially in the northwest, those classic uh, uh, September and October beers, Oktoberfest and fresh hop oh. beers. So. Fresh hop uh, season. Tyler tells us they got coming this week. They got Headless Mumby Oktoberfest. So Headless Mumby is a brewery in Olympia that is a lager only brewery. Um, so um, I've had their Oktoberfest before. It's very good. A lot, you know, if you like lager styles, definitely wa- uh, want to check out um, uh, a cool place um, down in Olympia. Actually opened up after I moved out of Olympia, but I could have walked to it when I, <laughs> if it was there when I lived there, which, you know, you're always like, oh, why weren't you there when yeah. I was there? Um, but yeah, and then, you know, they're able, you're able to pair, if you want to get the, the Oktoberfest experience in Ellensburg, uh, you can pair that with some soft pretzels. They always have soft pretzels. They got big soft pretzels there, um, you know, with your cheese and your mustard, oh. um, all that good stuff down there in, uh, and then, you know, they got, you know, if, if now, now if you're, if you like to partake in the fresh hops this time of year, yes. which I always recommend, because oh. especially in this region of the world where we just get the most fresh hop beers possible, because you can like, you know, you can drive and then a couple hours later, go put that beer into, put those hops into your beer um, right after they've been picked. Yep. So uh, that's a beautiful thing about where we live. Every brewery does fresh hop beers. So they're, they're getting a skookum. Fresh Dank Strata uh, this week. Um, Strata is one of the um, kind of it's like the, the probably the second wave of uh, fresh hot beers. Uh, so that should be good. I'm sure they'll be getting more. Um, uh, you know they got they got some stoop on tap right now. Uh, Structures uh, Logan Brewing out of Burien. Um, you know they they always got Matchless doing all country ales. Uh, so a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, as we've always talked about really cool thing about pretty fair beer is they don't, they don't carry any breweries that distribute to Ellensburg. They go and get that beer. Um, so you're getting different beer. They also got wine. Um, uh, they carry, typically carry about a dozen wines from just boutique wineries. So it's like the, the, you know, the craft beer version of wine. Uh, so little, little wineries and they got charcuterie plates, and a cool thing, you know, I know you and I would be excited about this. They're they're getting close uh, soon, hopefully, to have all ages. You know, they just got to get yes. that 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 go ahead. Um, they're currently twenty one over, but they're working on being able to be all ages. And I know you and I, as dads, will definitely appreciate 100%. that. One hundred percent. Pretty fair beer. <laughs> pretty. Again, we're talking about pretty fair beer in Ellensburg, downtown yeah. Ellensburg. Um, really cool place to stop. I've done it multiple times. Um, I definitely got to get you out there, yep. Jeff. Um, cause uh, of course owned by owned run proudly, proudly supporting the Cougs. You can watch the Cougs there. If you live in uh central Wa. just, you know, drive on over to pretty fair beer. Um, yeah. So highly recommend it. I've been there before. I like their food. I like their beer. I love what they're doing and their Cougs. Yeah. Check them out. Those are all good reasons to check them out for sure. God, I gotta, I gotta like, I gotta get some fresh hot beers, man. I had my, I had, I've only had one, well, two. I had two. I had one of yours, 
at the tailgate <laughs> that I had one that I bought at Rainer well, Growlers a couple well, weeks ago. So. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. I, the last two tailgates, I brought a ton of fresh hot beers, but I ended up giving them to a lot of people. So I didn't, <laughs> you didn't I actually drink have that any. many either. <laughs> yeah. I've only had a few so far and yeah. And you know, I've, I've been dealing with this thing that everyone yeah. can hear. Like I, I haven't had, you know, haven't had that many beers at home. I, I enjoyed uh Zwanzi day at E nine for yeah. sure. Uh, yesterday but and I, and I had a couple fresh hot beers at uh beer stock yeah. the other day but but yeah what are you drinking what's your what's your pretty fair beer of the my, night my here? pretty fair beer beer of the night is uh this is the last sun american style ipa from ruse brewing in portland yes uh i don't like it <laughs> i don't like it at all um so i let me make sure that's make sure they don't care I that I'm pretty favorite. No, no, they don't have it. No, they don't care. It okay, so beer. here's what I don't like about it, and I had a hard time kind of, you know, my palate is not as refined as yours or many others. So like, oftentimes it kind of comes down to do I find this pleasing or do I not find it pleasing, and I I often struggle to sort of describe what it is that I find pleasing about it, right? Um, and so for this one, I was just like, man, I just. I don't know, man. There's just something there. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of like, it just kind of, I'm not sure what that taste is that, that I'm kind of getting. So let me read the description to you. And then I'll tell you, I was like, Oh, that's what it is. Right. Okay. So it says this hazy IPA is intermingled with oats, wheat, and spelt for a catastrophically creamy mouthfeel, which is true. You do. It does have a creamy mouthfeel, uh, a kiss of mosaic and countless bags of Nelson Sauvin, bring intense aromas of tropical fruit, also true, and serene flavors of zippy white wine. It is the white wine. That is what I am tasting. Like, it tastes like a Chardonnay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's- I was like, that's what it is. I don't like that. So, yeah, I, I would, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you like that idea of just kind of mixing those flavors together, then give it a try. Uh, it was not pleasing to me. I'm drinking it anyway. Well, yeah, I th- you probably should um, steer clear of heavily Nelson Sauvin hopped beers then in the future. That's good advice. Thank you. Because I think that's a typical, that's part of why it's appealing uh, is is kind of that white wine. Because you definitely not get that from Mosaic. Mosaic is more of a, um, uh, I would say, more of a dank. Yes. Kind of, I, know, I've had lots uh, and lots of beers with that with mosaic, and I, yeah. I do not I do not recall this particular flavor uh, with it. I don't know. It's just kind of like it's it's hard to describe. Like, I, like okay, like white wines are not bitter, right? If anything, they're a little sweet, and so you're you're kind of taking that that sort of that sweet flavor profile and then adding some bitterness to it, and it just I don't know, man, just not working for me, not working for me. I understand it. All right. Um, so my pretty fair beer beer of the night is uh, it is from a brewery called Trace Brewing out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, it is called Local Traces. It's a double dry hopped pale lager. Um, pale lager dry hopped with Hallertau, Mittelfrut, Grungeist. Ooh. Citra and Azaka. So we're combining German hops and Yakima hops there. Um, it is, uh, it's a beer, an official. So there's a, a, a festival 
in Pittsburgh called the Barrel and Flow Festival. Um, it's a uh, black run uh, festival, um, and this so they get a lot of uh, black run businesses involved. And uh, Trace is a black run brewery, um, which is uh, you know um, becoming more and more prevalent. It, it, you know the the brewing industry has typically been a white male endeavor um in, in the u.s and so uh but yeah so this is very good um yeah it's a nice light lager with some great hop aromas it's dry hop so it's not like bitter it's just you know if you're dry hopping you're it, it's just specifically aroma and maybe a bit of flavor and mouthfeel from it but you're not dry hopping is not going to add to any of the bitterness so it's kind of a nice addition to uh dry hop a lager so you you still have that crispness of the lager but you have these like nice aromas i i I always like when i see a dry hopped lager i almost always reach for it because i'm like oh i just love that that amalgamation of styles you know um taking a a a traditional style and and putting like an a a modern spin on it with the double dry hopping so yeah very cool Uh, good job trace brewing well, if I see you, I have a, a few more. I was gonna, I was gonna, um, I was gonna drop drop some off for my uh, my, my at my favorite uh, shop here in town, etc. I'm sure those guys will appreciate it. And um, but yeah, and then I was uh, my second beer is a fresh hop beer, uh, Cone and Cone Fresh Hop IPA from Holy Mountain, oh. which I picked up yesterday when I picked up my. My order of midnight yes. still, um, which which they released at like eleven thirty p.m. Not, not quite, quite midnight, midnight on Inst- close though. Announced it on announced it on Instagram. That's why I have the notifications for Holy Mountain turned on on Instagram. <laughs> so I ordered that on ordered that on Wednesday night, and then I had till Sunday to pick it up. So I had this nice casual went up on Sunday, had a beer, nice. you know, picked up some beer, uh, and. Typically, I you have to wait like before the pandemic, you'd wait in line for this beer, and I have many times, you know, every year. Uh, that was like my first waiting in line at Holy Mountain was like 2016, then 2017, 2018. A lot, a lot of their variants releases. So I've done a lot of waiting in line at Holy Mountain, made a lot of friends. But honestly, now that I have two kids, <laughs> I really appreciate nice. the online. Yeah, it's sale. Nice to not have to do that. Um, it sold out in 30 minutes online. I was able to get some um so you know send a message to some friends like hey it's on sale go 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 you know <laughs> like go now it's gonna be gone their website failed i got in before that all, all good um so yeah able to pick that up picked up some um some uh other beers a holy mountain including that cone and cone excited to crack that in a second here i i sipped on the local traces the trace beer so that i could be drinking it while we did this but i'm gonna crack open the nice. open the cone and cone but yeah let's um Let's talk. Let's let's talk about some good vibes from this good weekend. Vibes. Um, the WSU volleyball team, who is on an absolute tear, yeah. started the weekend off by sweeping number twenty-four Colorado, sweeping them away. No chance. Um, what can you say about that one? But obviously, the big one this weekend was Sunday. They hosted number six UW. And that lived up to any peeling you could possibly give a rivalry match. Like you just could not, could not be more of an intense, 
match with a, a literally I historical. I was like, you're kind set. of you're you're as as effusive as you're being. You're all, you're kind of underselling it. I think, like, like that fourth set, like you put in. Now I I was not watching it. Did not follow it. I was I don't know what else I was doing. Watching watching the Sounders or the Seahawks. Seahawks. The Seahawks. Oh yeah, it was it new? So yeah, so I was watching the Seahawks yeah. and doing some work, and so, uh, and you you dropped into Slack to to give the score of the fourth set as they were heading into the fifth set. And I was like, wow, Craig made a big typo. <laughs> I'm like, how did Craig make that big of a typo? That's a big typo. Yeah. So the fourth set, uh, it ties the uh, NCAA record in the 25 point set era, uh, a 90 point set uh, UW one. 46 to 44 to send it to a fifth set. Yeah. 46 <laughs> to 44. In case you don't know, the sets go to 25. Right. So the the ma- so the maximum amount of points you can have in a set without it going into extra points is 25 to 23 cuz you have right. to win by 2. 48 points. This went 90. This went 42 extra points. This literally so the previous set WSU won 25-16. That went 41 total points to solve the set. This went 42 points beyond the most you could do without going extra. So, like, so 49 more points than the previous yep. set was. So the second set, UW won 25-23. They won in 48 points, and that's a that's a tough contested set. And then 46 to 44. Absolutely insane. WSU is, you know, they had some chances to win. They had some service errors at that at some point. Yeah, I but guess they had a bunch of service errors. It was, it was like yeah, they had a bunch of service errors, particularly in that, particularly in that yeah. set. They had a string of them, and but you got to say, you, I was thinking, God, they lose a set like that. This, this has like set five meltdown all over it. And UW came out and won the first three points of yeah. the fifth set. And so you're like, ah, oh, God, that just attacks yeah. them. And, and, and you probably you probably and, heard since Heister was on the call, you probably heard the word momentum, thirty eight times, at least. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it, it was. But they came back and they they dominated the rest of that set, won fifteen and eleven, to take the the overall match, uh, five set, you know, three sets of two. Um, I, obviously, you don't know that the fifth set is kind of like an overtime set. Basically, it, it's uh, it, it only goes to fifteen. Um, so yeah, it was uh, um, it, it was incredible to watch. Um, I truly only caught like I caught the the midway through the fourth set on, and and I had I had been watching it earlier, like when I was at Holy Mountain, and then I drove home from Holy Mountain, and then I picked it back up, so I missed like an hour. Um, but so. Some of the the records, like I said, that was that ties the NCAA record for most points in a set in the twenty five point era, and then it also WSU tied the record for most points scored in a mat most points in a match in the twenty five point era. So it this was a historical event, and it's always nice because WSU has been on the side of some historical games and not one <laughs> them in some good. other sports yeah. but it's really nice when you can be part of the historical event and also win so that's yeah. great yeah it's uh and that's completely wild 
Like to maybe that, you know, I've always said, why don't they go to 25 points in the fifth set? Like it feels like cheating. Right. Um, yeah, but maybe this is why <laughs> I don't know, but cause you could end up, with could that. end up with know. a 90 point fourth set. Um, I don't know. And can we finally retire the idea of momentum? Like, can we, can we do away with that now? Cause, uh, yeah, you would think you'd have I, had I mean, all the you momentum. would think, right. They won this Epic set. They get out to a lead and then, you know, it's like, like we always say, you know, you have momentum until you don't. And, uh, you know, so referring to momentum just sounds, just makes you sound silly. People just makes you sound silly. So this is an awesome win. Awesome. Awesome win. It's so good to see them. Um, you know, they started the year real rough. They lost their first four matches. Um, I have honestly, the only, uh, the only game or the only match that I've watched was that first one against South Carolina where, uh, you know, they, they lost, uh, two sets to three. Um, and it, you know, basically they, they sort of like gave it away. Um, yep, you know, they, they yep. really should have won and they, they just kind of a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Um, and so, you know, I watched that one and I just haven't really, you know, had the time mostly to, uh, uh, to watch them. And so it's, it's very, very cool to see them, um, you know, coming back strong, you know, again, they lost to a top 10 Pittsburgh, top 10 Purdue, um, both on the road or at least, well, one of them, bo- both of them away from home, I guess I'll put it that way. Cause they were both technically neutral site games, but, um, to come yeah. back then and, and basically, uh, you know, turn things, they come back home, turn things around. Uh, you know, they beat long beach state three zip. They beat Northern Iowa three zip. They beat Gonzaga three zip. They beat UC Santa Barbara three zip. They beat VCU three zip. They beat UC Santa Barbara three one and then Colorado three zip. So over the course of after their own four start, after the course of their next, uh, seven games, they dropped one set, one set, one set. <laughs> you know, and then, uh, and then beating Washington, which is obviously huge for, for so many reasons. So totally awesome. Uh, got USC and UCLA coming in, uh, uh, this weekend. So, so if you're, if you, you know, um, just some names, Pia Timmer, absolute superstar, uh, very versatile player. She was on fire against UW. Um, and then, uh, uh Magda Jelarova, an excellent, uh, d- defender. Um, she had 10 blocks. Um, I think she was involved in the winning block as well. Um, and then uh, uh, Hannah Pukis is, you know, the setter, uh, 53 assists. In, <laughs> that's that's got to be some like insane yeah. number, right? Like 53 yeah. assists. That like, seems that's like crazy. a lot. Um, uh, so, yeah, like uh, Pia Timmer had 31 kills, uh, which is just nuts. Like <laughs> nuts amount of kills. Plenty of chance. But she hit 30%. And from what I've been told, you can kind of look at that hit percentage and think of it as a baseball percentage too. So 30% is pretty good, especially on all those attempts. So yeah. Especially against um, a team like Washington. Yeah. Who has a very good defense. Yeah. So it's um, huge. They didn't crack the top 25 though, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently Um, they vote on top 25 there like they do everywhere else, which is, you know, well, maybe not how good you actually are, but you know, wow, you did lose those first four games doesn't matter that you've steamrolled everybody since and just beat, you know, the number six team in the country, but whatever, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Previous year's semifinalist. uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, so I don't know. They look like they are now on track to getting back to the tournament again. Like they, 
they are they're they're looking very good yep. after after stumbling at first um i mean they took to to have that weekend where you're facing two ranked teams and and beat them both yep um and and particularly beat your rival who they've now be beaten four times in a row Woo! and all always always good to get those apple cup series points yes. early get that this is the very yes. first one get get those points on the Absolutely. board uh excellent love it yeah. love it um let's talk about you know our other uh elite program <laughs> at wsu yes. soccer who uh also faced colorado this weekend and uh uh, took care of business they actually, against they them. They faced Arizona. Arizona, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they were weekend. in Colorado last weekend. Yeah. Um, they also have not allowed very many goals. Uh, they have not allowed a goal in four games now, outscoring Kansas, Denver, yeah. Northern Colorado, and Arizona by a total of 10 to nothing. This offense is insane, dude. They are just like, they are ridiculous. Yeah. I. Well, that's it's part of it, too, is when you watch the matches, like, there's going to be a game when they just – well, I saw the game when they just let loose and scored yeah, a bunch Hawaii. of goals. But 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 there's going to be more when that happens because part of the reason their defense is so good is because their offense just has the yes, ball all the time. that definitely helps. That. And it, they're just – they just don't give the other team chances. Yeah. And, yeah, it's uh, – you know, the, and the, they did have Makia Minnis back for 90 minutes again. Woo. So yep. that helps. Um, Elise Bennett got on the board again. And then, of course, Enzi Broussard, who is playing really well. Um, and so that's – it's just nice to have – nice to have, you know, because that, that's been their issue in the in the two matches that they didn't win, a, a tie and a loss. The problem was they had the chances. They just yep. didn't finish them. And so now they're, they're being more efficient about finishing their chances – um, but, um, Enzi is a transfer from, um, West Virginia. Uh, you might already know that, but I know you know that Jeff, <laughs> yes. but that, yeah. Um, but so, you know, it's another big thing that Schulenberger has done is he's utilized transfers from other high major schools really well. And so he's been able to keep that WSU at a high level just by, you know, infusing talent from from other programs to go along with recruiting really well um freshmen as well yep he uh i mean he's the gold standard right at our school you know i mean and for as much success as volleyball has had uh you know they don't they don't have a final four under their belt and todd schulenberger has got one of those and um you know to be to be pulling in these players from i mean it was one thing to get you know like say avery collins right who was um, you know, played at Stanford and obviously Stanford's, you know, typically a, a pretty powerhouse program, um, you know, but she was she was kind of, you know, squeezed for minutes a little bit. And, you know, so that one, you know, that one kind of made some sense. Right. Like this is, you know, OK, so you bring in this kid who's obviously very talented, but um, maybe going to, you know, get getting squeezed for minutes, wants to want to maybe show off a little bit more at a program where she'll have a little bit more of an opportunity. And that's fine. But, you know, we've reached a level now where. You know, people are seeing this as a real opportunity. And when you think about the fact that, man, um, this team should have a sophomore Trinity Rodman right now. <laughs> and how um, just insane their embarrassment of riches is uh, in terms of attackers. Uh, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Broussard. Um, you know, of course, you still have got uh, Elise Bennett. Um, 
you know, uh, Frimpong Ellingson, you know, is another, uh, you know, strong attacker. I know I'm forgetting. She scored yeah, last week. I know I'm week. forgetting someone else up yep. there. Um, Grayson Allen. No, Grayson. Grayson Lynch. Yeah. Great Grayson Allen. God, Grayson sorry. Lynch. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> She's not out there. She's not yeah, out there. Grayson Lynch. People. Grayson Lynch has uh, been scoring goals in bunches as well. Yep. And uh, yeah, just. They, um, just, they can get you anyway. Uh, it's, it, this isn't the team. Yeah. So for people who remember the team a couple of years ago with, you know, with, uh, with Weaver. Uh, up there i mean it was it wasn't necessarily a one person show but it was pretty close i mean she was on the attacking, on the attacking side, side right like least, yeah. you know you had uh you know um I'm try- i forget it now i'm forgetting the midfielder's name too it's late at night it's late at night um she's in the nwsl now but anyway like like that was yes oh, yes yes gamera stevens Makamaya, gamera stevens um and that was kind of the sh- who scored? Oh, by the way, who scored uh, oh, last awesome. week for Houston? Uh, I think Ooh, two goals. That's fantastic. Right? Um, the real strength of that team was sort of the, the the defensive midfield, right? Like they they just they were really really tough to play through, and then they would launch you know Weaver on Morgan Weaver on these counterattacks, right? This team's not that, like you mentioned. Um, they're very they're possession oriented, and they will sort of find a find an angle and pick you apart, and and they come at you from from every angle, so. Uh, they are fun, fun, fun to watch, man. If you're if you are at all into soccer, I know we kind of keep saying this, but man, if you like, if you don't hate soccer, if you're like, yeah, soccer's okay, um, man, it's a fun team to watch. When you can find them on TV, um, you know, maybe give it a shot. So they play against Utah on Thursday um, from Salt Lake City. It's apparently on Pac-12 Networks starting at six nice. o'clock Pacific. So, um, so that's a game that you know that we all can watch. And uh, and get excited about. Yeah, because if you don't have Pac-12 networks, you're not watching no, the football no, team this year. You're not doing that either. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great man. Yeah, like our our two our two premier sports yes. on a roll, um, looking like they can. Uh, it, looking like they can get back um, to the place where they belong, which is the NCAA tournament for both of them. Um. Yeah. So that's that's always fun. We love talking yes, about them, do. especially when yes, they're winning. Great, man. Um. So I'm kind of worried because they're, they're we're only an hour well, and five. We in do there, have a couple think... of questions that got emailed in. Oh yeah. So we could do those really those. quick. Let's do All those. Right. Uh, I think I got them here. Hold on. Uh. So I got. Um. Do you got the Dave Malone one? Or sorry, Dave. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Dave M. <laughs> yeah. Dave. All right. Dave says, I had high hopes for Coach Rolovich, and I hate that I'm writing this email. This was before yes, the Utah game, Wednesday. by the way. But I think you guys are correct. The WSU is getting out coached, particularly in the second half. I think Abe Lucas is correct in saying that Wazoo has a, quote, good initial punch, but not really a chin. These two issues combine to create the current death spiral. If Rolo does not get himself fired on October 18th, when do you predict Pat Chum will fire Rolo? Also, will Chun also fire any other coaches? And if WSU beats Utah and maybe picks up a few more W's, will Chun have a hands-off approach to Rolo? Um, so obviously, we know that did not, um, you know, that did not play out against Utah. WSU so. did not beat Utah. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? When's uh, what's the over/under um, there? So if if Rolo is not fired for vaccination reasons uh 
Um, I have a hard time believing they will fire him after this season for football okay. reasons. So I think it would maybe be next season or after next season. Um, I think even if he goes, uh, you know, like two and ten this year, they'll they might keep him on just because. Uh, it, it probably depends on who's available, um, or if if you know Chun has someone in mind. But I just I, I have a hard time just at WSU seeing them let a coach go after so yeah. few games. Uh, you know, I I can't. I, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, you know, okay, you, uh, you know, the 18th comes and goes, right? He has you know, got his exemption or whatever. Um, and so at that point, so like, you know, does, do you benefit from getting rid of him right away? I, I don't know that you do, right? Like, I mean, you're not, you're not hiring another coach right away. Probably. Um, you know, unless you're, unless you're doing, you know, the bill moose thing and targeting somebody who's not employed, that's, that's kind of a different deal. So, Okay. And then, okay, so there's really not any benefit to getting rid of him in the middle of the year. Like, like it doesn't help you, right? Um, I can see why you would do it, especially if he's not vaccinated, he's not compliant, you know, you separate, whatever. But I don't think, like, you gain any kind of benefit or boost from doing it, right? Even with recruiting or whatever. Um, and, in fact, I think actually you might, you might actually cause more of a problem with recruiting if you, um, you know, get rid of him during the year. Because whoever actually is committed to you right now, uh, you know, is all of a sudden you're going to have, you know, however many, I mean, let's say it takes you a month or whatever to find a new coach, uh, you know, in that time, it's going to be open season on your guys, right? Um, as long as you keep Rolovich around and the plausibility that he'll be around next year, then those guys probably stay. Okay. At the end of the year then, okay. So if it's at the end of the year, uh, you know, I, I just wonder, here, here's the thing. I look, we have the money to fire him. Um, I know people will say we don't, we don't have the money to fire him. We're in, it's not the buyout that yeah, even like, Oh, we're still, we're anything. in, we're yeah. in this huge deficit. You know what? That is just, I, I know people want to want to make a big deal out of that. And I know that, uh, Schultz and Chun pay lip service to, Oh yes, this is very, very serious. And we have a very serious and, and very, uh, you know, very serious plan to fix this. And, you know, yes, we, we are very serious about getting out of this deficit. The reality is, you know, the, it would cost 3.6 million to make Rolovich go away. Right. And I think we've talked about this on the show before, but just in case we haven't, or, or somebody didn't listen, uh, he's owed 60% of the base salary for the remaining three years. The base salary is 2 million. The other million that he makes is the is his media. It's it's the media portion of his contract, right? So, they they do this a lot of times when they break up contracts. You know, media responsibilities and actual base salary things like that. So it's three point. It's one point two million a year for three years. Three point six million. Okay, I, listen. If you are running a Division One, you know, Power Five athletic department, you have to be able to pay three and a half million if you have to. Like, and I know that their biggest priority is, you know, getting the, the donations finally all secured the rest of the way for the, for the indoor facility. And, and I get all that, but you know, 3.6 is, is just, it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's like couch cushion change, but 
I mean, it's pretty close. You know, when you're talking about adding 1.2 million to each year's budget for the next three years, and I, and I know that people, you know, fans tend to think of it as a lump sum, right? And I think they probably have the option to pay it as a lump sum, but you know, if they want to, they can just keep paying him monthly for the next three years, you know, just like they're doing now, and you know, pay out your 1.2 million a year. Um, you know, you can make that work in a big time athletic department. And I know that our budget, our department's like the smallest one. Uh, in division one, but still you can make that happen. You can do it. So will they, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I hope so. Obviously I'm on the record saying that, that, you know, I hope so. Um, you know, obviously that, that would give them a lot more time to take in even more data to try and make an informed decision. Um, you know, obviously there could also be more damage done in the meantime, but I, I tend to think if it's going to happen, it's probably going it, to, again, non-covid related um it's probably going to happen at the end of the year I, I don't know i like you i tend to lean toward the conservative approach I, I tend to think that's probably what they'll do but i don't know man it's 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 affordable if you really want to do it i i know that schultz will have to answer to the you know answer to the faculty senate <laughs> if he does it you know and explain why they're spending this money to make him go away but i also think that you know, maybe it's an easier sell than we're giving it credit for because, uh, you know, he's embarrassing the entire university, right? It's not just a losing football coach. It's a, you know, it's a guy who looks like an anti-science, anti-vax conspiracy theorist. And that makes, it makes a mockery of an academic institution really. And I'm sure he's not the only, uh, you know, person employed by the university who is choosing not to get vaccinated. Um, I'm sure there are even professors who are choosing not to get vaccinated. But again, we know that the overwhelming majority of students and faculty support uh, mandatory vaccination. And, and we just know that from, um, you know, just from the compliance numbers. Obviously we don't know the, the faculty compliance numbers yet, but we know that the student compliance numbers are extraordinarily high, uh, which is great. And so I, I, I wonder if maybe it's an easier sell to get rid of him um, given that, you know, he, he really is embarrassing the school. So I don't know. I, I, I would say I, I I would think it's a toss up between the end of the year and maybe next year, but I don't know. I guess that's where I'd land. Yeah, um, October eighteenth. Yeah, that'd be great. that. So. That's honestly uh, <laughs> as horrible as this sounds. I'm almost like, please don't get vaccinated. Like I'm just kind of like, <laughs> it's terrible. But I'm also like, you know, that's that's the easiest, cleanest way out of this whole thing is for him to just decide not to do that and. Um, you know, for it to be uh, taken care of for us. So I don't know. We'll see. We're getting, we're getting very, very, this is the other thing I wonder, you know, we're getting very, very close to the last possible day to, uh, to receive a shot and still be vaccinated. October so, 4th. Um, yeah. The Johnson and Johnson yeah. vaccine. So, October and that's 4th. only, yep. you know, it's a little over a week away. So yeah. High intrigue, man. High intrigue. Intrigue that yeah, I wish, wish we didn't have. Didn't, and we shouldn't have. Um, so we have another question from Mark. Uh, he doesn't have his last name. Smart guy. Email, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mistakenly say Mark's last name. Um, he has uh, apparently he already asked us this question and we ignored it. So sorry, Mark. Um, so he has a proposal, which I already know that you and I agree with. So. Move the Apple Cup to the middle of the season instead of ending the year on it, i.e. Apple Cup gets scheduled for October 15th. 
Matchups for WSU versus Oregon State and Oregon versus UW moved to the end of the year. The rivalry formerly known as the Civil War has moved to the middle of the year to even out the scheduling. Benefits has warmer weather and better sailgating opportunities in Seattle years. Won't be a holiday weekend, so traveling logistics are easier for Pullman years. This is not me. This is yes. I'm just reading yes. what Mark wrote. Uh, roads are roads are less dangerous to travel. Yes, uh, will be played on a Saturday, not a Friday. Yes, not a Black Friday like the day after Thanksgiving. Um, since there will be more games on the schedule after the Apple Cup, we all won't have to dwell. This is the biggest part, honestly. Since there will be more games on the Apple Cup schedule after the Apple Cup, we all won't have to dwell on our inevitable defeat for longer than a week or two instead of a month in a bowl game, month in bowl game years and all off season if WSU yep. misses a bowl. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. And 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 then finally, students will show up in greater numbers to the Pullman years games as they won't have a thanksgiving holiday excuse to leave town yes i uh, love to hear what you guys think thanks for reading go Coos. yes um yeah yes i i, I, <laughs> I don't really I don't, have a whole lot to add yes. you, said, you said it you said yes. it all mark i don't give a shit no, about the sailgating no. honestly um uh but um i mean yeah, we've, we've talked about this before uh, we're like hell play it on the first game Let's just let's just fucking rip the bandaid off right at the beginning of the year and just you know be done with it. I you know I think the middle of the year is a nice idea just because like okay like if you play the first game of the year, you know maybe teams aren't sharp or whatever. So like like I get that. That's it's more tongue in cheek, the idea of playing it first game of the year. But yeah, anything but the last game of the year. I'm I'm 100 down for that. Like I just I'm so I'm well. And here's the here's the thing. Okay, so I, I guess I'll put it this way. Do you, I'll put it to you as a question. Do you feel as good for all those months after we win as you feel bad for all those months after we get our ass kicked again? Well, it's kind of hard to remember. It's been a while, but. Uh, But honestly, you just feel good indefinitely about any win. Like you go back, you you revisit it. So it doesn't matter if it, about the extra like whatever the extra time of feeling good or, or having that off season, you would feel good about an apple cup win all see all year long. It wouldn't matter. But, but when you don't have, when it's a loss and you don't have anything else to think about like next week's game or the bowl game or what, you know, or the bowl game's still a month away or whatever. And you have to think about how you could be in a better bowl game if you would have won this game or whatever. Um, that's you just, that's just torturous. And, and so, yeah, like I, I, I think like that. There's no really trade off there because like the the happiness of an Apple Cup win is always there. Uh, but once you have something else to think about, you can kind of put that put that sadness aside. Well, I, there's some cook guys that can't, but I can. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I I'm all for 100 percent agree with you. Even yeah, like like Jeff said. Mark, I, I say just Labor Day weekend, baby. Let's do it. Let's just start the season with a loss and then just yep. see how we can recover. Because sometimes we start with the season yep. with a loss anyway. Might as well lose Utah that State. one. So yep. it doesn't matter. Yep. Totally agree. 100%. Uh, there is one more question. This one. Sorry, I'm flipping back over. This one came from Brady. Brady H. WSU Brady 27 on Twitter. Um, so. 
Oh, by the way, Dave is Coop oh, Poets on Twitter. Yes. I forgot to say that. All right, that. so Brady says, something crazy that we all feel has been a thing but haven't seen really put together. I spent a few minutes and put it together in an Excel file. WSU football and men's basketball are basically never good at the same time. Don't believe me? Here is the chart narrowed down for all the years both have had 500 or better records since World War II. Since World War II, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Ten. One of those years was yeah. my senior year at WSU. The football team was went six and six, but lost. Uh, did not go to a bowl game because they lost yeah. the last three games of the year. And then, and then that Back was the year six that six uh, didn't the get first you year, Tony. And then that was Tony Bennett's uh, first year when they went to the. So that was that was like the yeah. best, one of the best yeah. possible results. And this is, I mean, let's let's be real. This is not like when we say being good at the same time. Like the bar here is so low, five hundred record, <laughs> right? We're talking five hundred record. We're not talking like okay, they both, you know, I don't know, seven fifty or something, right? Like like however you would define good. Right. Postseason or something like that. Like we're just talking 500 records. Uh, it happens. It's happened once this century. It happened twice in the 90s, once in the 80s, once in the 70s, once in the 60s, and then three times in the 50s. That was the heyday right there. And then once in 1945. <laughs> so. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's funny. So he says, uh. Now, I know they really have no direct effect on each other, which is true, right? I mean, they're independent events. Uh, really, there is Smith's recruiting results and trajectory than there is whatever's going on in football. Either way, for no real reason other than our history, this just helps my case to get even more excited for basketball season and hope it does for you as well. So, so Brady's argument is, all right, the worse the, the football the team is, team. The, more, the better the basketball team is going to be. I'm down for it. I'm ready for a big basketball season. I've written this football season off except for yeah. the football weekends where I get to go to Pullman, of course. Uh, but, but you know what? Hell yeah. Let's, let's get some good. If, if, if we are sacrificing this football season at the altar of yep. having a big basketball year, I'm down. let's fucking I'm, do I'm it. I'm 100%, 100% in on that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. But that's, I'm just like, this is hilarious. Like, I'm just like looking at this going like, oh, my God. And some of these basketball seasons, too, are like uh, 15 and 12, 16 and 14, 16 and 11. So, you know, like their league record was terrible. And they just they won a bunch of yeah. preseason or a bunch of non-conference games. Um, 2006, that was that was kind of the biggie, man. They really they should have gone to a bowl game, even though they, uh, you know, finished six and six. But it that was, was that was back before there were. You know, eighty bowl games. Um, if you went six and six, yeah. eh, you kind of got left out in the cold sometimes. And yeah, I don't know, man. That that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Uh, pretty funny find and a really nice use of an Excel chart. I gotta say, I liked it. Yes. Well done, Brady. One hundred percent. I dug it. At WSC yeah. Brady twenty seven. Uh, yeah. So. Um, by the way, That's sorry, do you have any uh, idea of, like, do you have a theory as for why this is? Is it just that we're not typically that good in those sports? I think it's just because we aren't very often right. good at either so of those So it just reduces sports. the number. Uh, and, and particularly, it reduces the number of basketball. times they can overlap, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, um, I, one big plug, I, I didn't do it at the start, but 
you know, I'm still running my uh, charity raffle for uh, lodging and tickets and parking to the uh, homecoming game against uh, Oregon State, which is now has game time 1 p.m. So if you don't want to, if you're coming from the west side and don't want to get up at like five o'clock in the morning and drive over to Pullman and go to the game, you can go on Friday night and stay Woo. because you can have a hotel yeah. from Friday to Sunday. Um, and uh, so I've already raised over twelve hundred dollars. I really appreciate everyone that's donated so far. Uh, but you can still get honestly. That means there's you still have a pretty good chance um, to win if you enter because uh, you're talking about. 120 entries that's it so it, if you enter now you still have a pretty good chance to win i'd love to get it to 2000 um that would be really cool um i'm i'm taking donations until 11:59 p.m october 3rd sunday so uh hit me up uh just go ahead and donate to any wsu related fund and you can uh screenshot send me the receipt either to our uh, podcast email account podcast vs everyone at gmail.com or uh you can dm me on twitter at the craig powers or on instagram at craig w powers so any of those options dm me a receipt and let's raise some money for wsu um loving the diversity of all the funds so far a lot of different things very cool. Um, I've learned about a few things uh, just from the donations. Yeah. So I donated uh, to the it, uh, Cougar Emergency Fund. I thought that was, I thought that I thought yeah, that was a good place a to cool do one. it, uh, given the times we are in. So um, there was that. Uh, how how many Cougar Athletic Fund donations? Not a one. So <laughs> so there's there's somebody's opportunity, right? Somebody who wants to donate to the Cougar Athletic Fund can. Yeah, you get some of your calf points here. You know, put it to a good cause and, you know, uphold the the good name of the athletic department in this since nobody else has done that yet. Someone did donate to the rugby Oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, they need need all the funds they can get. That's for sure. Yeah. And and a hot way got a hockey donation as well. They need those funds, Uh, man. They do. Those programs, man, they do fundraisers to pay for shit. That's a... So that is that yep. is cool. All right, great. Uh, so you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Pod versus Everyone. Again, if you want to send us questions like Mark and Brady and Dave, you can send it at Podcast vs Everyone at Gmail dot com, and you can send me your donation receipts. And let's raise some money for WSU to any program that you feel good about. Um, yeah, um, let me, a full disclosure, uh, in the middle of answering the second question, my nose started bleeding, and I am holding a big wad of paper <laughs> against my nose right now, um, so I um, am ready to say go, Cougs, go Cougs. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Black Lives Cougs. Matter, and... Where's my stop button? Damn it. <laughs>